0: Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of May 21st to the 23rd, of 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. It was a pretty balmy 88 degrees Fahrenheit this past weekend here in New York City, and it looked like my allergies are starting to die down a bit, for which I'm super thankful. Uh, was uh, sorry for the day being a little bit of da- uh, the podcast being a little bit late. I had to take my dog to the vet yesterday, uh, which meant I couldn't really do all the research and recording that I wanted to. Um, um, but that said, thankfully there's not a lot of craziness news-wise. Uh, with, the new- with the newest release being Dream Horse from Weaker Street, making less than a million dollars, um, and open opened less than three 300- hundred theaters so yeah on the other hand you know next week is memorial day and it brings two big studio films and fast furious 9 opened this past uh broad this past weekend to pretty decent numbers so movies are back in movie theaters nature is healing uh since the news wise there isn't a ton of great big headlines i figured we take this brief calm before the summer box office storm to look ahead to the forecast of what films are coming out for what is usually the peak box office season with a overhanging question of we'll be able to recover post-COVID. Uh, disclaimer, I'm not going to try to make predictions myself for exactly how uh, in, in, in exact dollar numbers of how much films going to open to, how much the final totals are going to be. Um, I'm just going to list what I see from various sources that I trust. Um, also, disclaimer, the numbers I'm going to be talking about are U.S. domestic releases only, uh, not really talking about the international numbers as uh, this episode. So uh, let's dive into it. First off, as noted, this coming weekend, May 28th, is what I would call the true summer box office kickoff this year uh, with the long weekend of Memorial Day. Normally, you know, with Marvel films coming out early May or even late April with Avengers, uh, that would be the kickoff the summer season, but obviously this year we have to uh, wait a little bit. Um, the two wide releases this coming weekend are Cruella from Walt Disney Pictures and A Quiet Place Part 2 from Paramount. Uh, Cruella is releasing on premiere access on Disney Plus addition to, to in theaters, while A Quiet Place Two opens in theaters only. According to Box Office Pro, Cruella is forecasted for fifteen to thirty million dollars over the four day weekend, and a quiet place two is predicted to win the weekend with maybe thirty, even forty million up to potentially fifty million dollars. Um now, that being said, Cruella's number is based off uh, 3,000 estimated theaters, uh, and since then, it looks like Disney will actually be rolling it out to 3,700 theaters, so that number may still update. Uh, that being said, Disney will still have the specter of Premiere Access looming over the theatrical numbers and limiting the box office potential take. Uh, both of these should have about a 3x, maybe 3.5x multiplier for their lifetime runs, according to Box Office Pro. Uh, a Quiet Place 2 currently has a strong Rotten Tomatoes score at 92%, which definitely should help good word of mouth, um, especially if they plan on having a trilogy for these films, as Emily Blunt recently stated in an interview. Uh, we've also been seeing strong pre-sales for A Quiet Place 2. If you remember, it actually had its world pro- red carpet premiere last year, just before the pandemic hit that off, so they already were pre-sales for A Quiet Place 2. Um, obviously, they had to cancel and refund all of those when theaters shut down. That means this is the rare situation where we actually have two pre-sale periods for the same film. Um, it's almost like a A/B A-B test type situation. And in this case, it looks like this uh, per- period in 2021 is having stronger pre-sales than what we saw for Quiet Place 2 in 2020, probably due to the pent-up demand and good word of mouth. So uh, take that for what you will um, for, for this coming weekend. Moving into June, on the June 4th, we have three very different films releasing. Uh, From Warner Bros., we have the next entry in the Conjuring franchise, The Devil Made Me Do It, uh, which, as expected for Warner Films, is a simultaneous HBO Max theatrical release. Um, This one's playing to the horror crowd. Um, From Universal and DreamWorks, we have Spirit Untamed, the second theatrical release in the Spirit franchise, that animated film about the horse. Um, It's a film based off... uh, based off of the Netflix animated series that's a spin-off of the original film. Uh, Hope you can keep along with that. Uh, This one is definitely playing toward the family crowd. And then we have From United Artists, a film called Samaritan, uh, Samaritan, uh, uh, superhero thriller starring Sylvester Stallone of these box office pro has predictions for conjuring and spirit untamed conjuring is expected to do 15 to 25 million opening weekend while spirit untamed comparatively has a smaller two to seven million dollar opening weekend um, they also peg conjuring at just under a 3x multiplier makes sense for horror film which tend to be a little bit more front-loaded Though, given that how cheap they are produced, that's usually uh, not, not that big a deal. Um, and then more family-friendly, Spirit Untamed is set to run up to a 5X or even higher multiplier, which makes sense for family-friendly films that have long legs, given the lack of competition, with really only Raya being in theaters on its 12th weekend uh, this week. Now, Box Office Pro does not have a forecast for Samaritan. That being said, based off of Savell Stallone's recent box office records and films, uh, for w- films that he's led in uh, Rambo Last Blood, Backtrace, and Expendables 3, um, I only really expect it to be particularly successful, quite frankly. Uh, he should stick to his supporting roles in, in other films like Creed. All right, moving on to June 11th, uh, we have the big one with Warner Brothers releasing In the Heights. Um, the John M2-directed, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda-written uh, um, adaptation of his first uh, Broadway play. Um, again, this is both on HBO Max and in theaters. Now, given that there's no real competition this this, this particular week, it should eat pretty well uh you know, especially giving you a little bit more distance from uh, you know uh, Cruella and a quiet place too, and definitely hitting different demographics. Um, now, given that Lin Manuel Miranda's stock is at an all-time high, and the fact that this film leans heavily into its diversity, which is you know been getting a lot, this this be a good thing given that uh, it's led to a lot of positive buzz about the film. Uh, in fact, Gold Open, the group who is known for doing theater buyouts to help Asian-American led films at the box office opening weekend, is partnering with the National Association of Latino Independent Producers, NALIP, uh, to do a similar Gold Open for In the Heights. Uh, this tactic helped Crazy Rich Asians get good word of mouth a few years back and be one of the highest opening rom-coms of all time. John M. Chu, who directed Crazy Rich Asians, also directed In the Heights here, as I noted. Uh, box Office Pro has the film set for 25 to $45 million opening with about a 3x multiplier for Lifetime Domestic. Personally, I su- suspect this will do a bit better than that. Early screenings over Mother's Day had really hyped up the buzz for this one in many different film circles I'm in. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes currently has it at like a 97% Rotten, Toma- Rotten uh, fre- certified fresh score and it fe- just feels based on its content. It's a very summery movie that will have a lot of repeat watches, especially uh, here in New York City. That being said, again, the scepter of HBO Max does hang over this film. Uh, We've seen HBO Max films have really strong openings, like Godzilla vs Kong, but then also equally strong drops uh, that be over compared to other films. Because if a film is you know rewatchable, you could just go watch it in theaters the first time, but then you know go see the repeat watchings at home without having to pay extra. Um, Now that said, maybe this might be the kind of film that because of the music and everything, and 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 you know the kind of the crowd atmosphere situation, um, even. even like a Black Panther type situation, um, you know, where there's so much hype around, it, especially within a specific community, that maybe the community also doesn't really have uh, a- as much HBO Max subscription penetration. Um, who knows? That, that might help. So um, we'll just have to see how this one goes. Now, the following week, we have two films releasing, though both are not coming out on the Friday, um, the 18th. Instead, on Wednesday, the 16th, uh, June 16th, we have Lionsgate's The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, a sequel to The Sleeper Hit starring Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson that came out in 2017. Uh, Box Office Pro has an estimated three-day total, um, not sure if they mean Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or just three days from its opening, of about 13 to $18 million with about three X legs. Um, in comparison, the first film came out to $75 million dollars uh, over its lifetime on a budget of $30 million and 176 worldwide. So, you know, the 3x multiplier on $18 million, uh, should be a little bit below that, though given that it's a sequel, some shrinkage is to be expected, uh, um, especially post-COVID. And then on Friday the 18th, we have Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway from Sony. Um, this one has been out a bit overseas and has had way too many release dates changes. I'm not going to try the document here. Um, it's already made $30 million in other markets, uh, including the UK, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, domestically, Peter Rabbit 2 is forecasted to open to $17 to $22 million over the Father's Day weekend. So again, a little bit over 3x legs since it's a little bit more family friendly. Uh, one thing to note though, this is also the weekend release of Luca, the latest Pixar film on Disney Plus for free, so I wonder that will impact whole Box Office, not even just these specific films that weekend, uh, since somebody opt to stay home and watch that instead. Now closing out June, we have on the twenty fifth F nine from the Fast and Furious saga by Universal. Uh, we'll talk more about this film later in this episode since it opened abroad this weekend. But according to Box Office Pros, uh, they are forecasting that uh, without a doubt it's going to be the largest film released to date since COVID uh, with sixty to ninety million dollars opening weekend. Uh, not yet quite at the hundred million dollars mark, which some say won't happen even until December uh, with Spider Man Far From ho- um, with Spider Man No Way Home. Um, that being said, it will have a high base to work off of, um, but the, the multiplier domestically for F9 is going to be pretty low, um, with even the most generous estimates saying it's going to be maybe in the 2.5x range, uh, reflecting how the success of these films are doing less and less about doing well and staying in theaters here domestically, as much as it has having a big opening weekend and also doing well overseas. So, that wraps up June. Uh, now, in July and August, Box Office Pro has not yet made the long-range forecast for these films yet, so I'll just be giving more general thoughts for these films and what you have to look forward to. Uh, July 2nd, the week of July 4th, we have two wide releases. Uh, the first is The Forever Purge from The Universal, the fifth and final film in the Purge franchise. Opening weekends for these films have gone down over time as the franchise has gone off uh, with the first opening, has gone on with the first opening at 34 million uh, and the most recent re- released film at only 17 million opening. That said, they all tend to get a pretty consistent 70 million in total box office on budgets that never go over 15 million. So it's always, you know, at least a little bit of a financial success. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if this one opens even lower than 17 million, but has surprisingly high legs for a thriller horror franchise even. Uh, the other wide release is Boss Baby Two, which actually this is breaking news. has actually just moved up this past weekend uh, to the slot from September seventeenth. Uh, in addition to the new date, it's actually going to be Universal's first foray into f- day and date stream. Well, okay, not quite. Technically had the VOD um, and and theatrical day and date release um, of you know Scoob and 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 Trolls World Two and all that um, you know during the pandemic. But you know this is the first time they're having a streaming release on Peacock. Um, Now, it's not going to be... you know all Peacock users, only paid Peacock users in the 4.99 and 9.99 plan will get access to the Boss Baby 2 for free. But you have to wonder. You know, I have no really expectations for how this is going to do, just because we don't know how you know truly widespread Boss Baby 2 is, even how much demand for Boss Baby 2 there actually was. Um, this the first one was a bit of a surprise success, making 125 million dollars. Uh, uh, the budget was 125 million dollars, and it made 528 million dollars worldwide. 175 of that being domestic. Um, again, not sure how Peacock is going to do. That being said, this is the 4th of July weekend, the first one that many people have had since getting their vaccine. So I don't think many people will be watching movies that weekend, which generally it's not a strong movie holiday weekend. Uh, with the exception of, I guess, Independence Day. Uh, Anyway, moving on to July 9th, we have a real big test here with the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus and in theaters. Now, there are a lot of different factors impacting this one. So on one hand, it is the first feature film we have from the arguably most successful franchise out there right now, the MCU. Uh, It's going to be exactly, almost exactly, two years since the last Marvel film, Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, and so many people are going to be itching to want to see a Marvel film in theaters. On the other hand, we have the Disney Plus factor in more ways than one. First, Black Widow is releasing both in theaters and on Disney Plus via Premiere Access. While we don't have firm numbers for certain, while Premier Access numbers seem to have been a success enough for Disney to continue the initiative after initial experimentation, probably due to the slow recovery of other countries outside the US, um, it hasn't exactly been hailed by them uh, to the same degree as an absolute win as, say, Warner has been marketing HBO Max the and date releases. That being said, there is a chance at the price point, $30 for essentially leasing the film indefinitely so long as you subscribe to the service, it may be worth it for family and friends to actually get together to split the cost versus going to a theater. Now again, that's if you don't value the actual experience of being in a theater with a big crowd for a Marvel film. So, on the other, And again, on the other hand, again, the MCU factor may push people to make this their return to theaters. Uh, going back to the Disney Plus factor, while it may be the first fil- feature film in almost two years, I think the recent WandaVision and Falcon and Wonder Soldier TV series may have stated some of that pent-up demand for good MCU storytelling. Um... Plus, you know, for better or worse, Black Widow's story within the MCU is largely completed unless they do something crazy in the film to completely, you know, backtrack what happened in Endgame. Uh, So this is going to act more like a bridge to Phase 4 as opposed to Phase 4 proper in my eyes. So I would say that Black Widow probably does at least as good as Godzilla vs. Kong or definitely at least as good as, um, you know, whatever uh, Cruella does and even The Quiet Place 2. Um, Not sure how it'll do compared to... um, uh, Fast and the Furious 9 based on you know being a Disney plus release they'll probably be in that in that tier as well um now, and it could potentially do even better given that there are going to be more vaccinations and the brand equity of MCU name behind it, at least compared to Godzilla. The lowest-grossing modern MCU film so far has been Ant-Man, which came out in 2015 to $57 million. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp came out in 2018 to about $75 million, so I would say somewhere around that, day, that, around that mark for an uh, opening weekend, kind of again in line with the estimate for Fast and the Furious. Now the following weekend, July sixteenth, we have three different films releasing in order. Uh, now, in order of how I think they're going to do, from least to greatest. First, we have the comedy film from starring te- starring Channing Tatum called Dog from United Artists. Now, there's like zero marketing for this out there. I've seen, and while there are people who certainly love dog movies, I don't think they're going to be uh, generally the biggest return on investment out there. So not, I'm kind of going to write this one off. Uh, next up, we have Escape Room Two from Sony Pictures, a sequel to the 2019 film that made fifty. 7 million domestically and $155 million worldwide on a budget of $9 million. Um, I don't think this one pops up as hard as that one did, but I think it's going to be surprisingly good numbers as counting programming to our third film of the weekend, Space Jam, a new legacy from Warner Brothers, again, releasing on HBO Max and in theaters. This stars not only LeBron James and Looney Tunes, but also a wide cast from much of the Warner Brothers back catalog. Now, as with most things, I think this one comes down to word of mouth, whether it's a, worthy, a, a especially if it's going to be a worthy successor of whether the, uh, to the original Michael Jordan film, or if it's a gimmick, is a bit cheesy. Um, it's probably going to have a really strong opening weekend. Probably, I'm not going to say as hot, high as, um, as Black Widow, maybe a little bit lower, but still definitely $50 million plus, I would say. Um, that all being said, and then, and then from there, it's going to either you know, continue to have really strong legs if it is a worthy successor, or it's going to drop like a brick, uh, especially being an HBO Max situation. Now that being all said, they do have the power of the NBA Finals, which will actually be airing around the same time as a good advertising push for the movie. Um, the final series is scheduled to start on July eighth and will go all if it goes all seven days games. It will go to uh, July twenty second. So and there's a good chance LeBron James will himself will be playing in the finals. So you know that's have some cross promotional synergy there. Um, So, yeah, there's also to consider whether or not Black Widow uh, from the week prior ends up having strong IST legs into its second week to handicap uh, Space Jam. So, moving on to July 23rd, we have three different films again. From Universal, we have Old, an M. Night Shyamalan thriller about a tropical island uh, causing a family to age rapidly, living their lives out in a single day. I think this one definitely has a nice audience who, again, are the kind to really appreciate thrillers and will want to see this in theaters. As with most Shyamalan films, it could go either way review-wise. That being said, he has still financed his this film as he has for his past three films, and those all went to go on pretty well at the box office, making $600 million worldwide on a budget, total budget of $30 million, uh, granted most of that was split between Split and Glass. So even if it doesn't top the box office due to the leftover Space Jam or Black Widow numbers, um, you know, uh, or even the same-way competition, I think so long as he's kept his costs under control, these films will be a financial success for the studio. Uh, the next film on the twenty third is from a franchise that has also been a bit of surprise, financial success uh, Hotel Transylvania series has over the past three entries had an average budget of just under eighty million dollars with an average opening weekend of forty five million dollars and domestic total average of one hundred and sixty million dollars with a total average worldwide of four hundred and fifty eight million dollars so these numbers have only gone up as the series has gone on though one note will be in this fourth edition. Uh, director Gunny Tartarovsky has moved on to a writing role from his directing role in the previous films. Um, In any case, this one's going to be the new family-friendly film, animated film with super long legs that supplants uh, Spirit Untamed and Peter Rabbit 2 if they're still hanging in there, and definitely going to be taking the place of Ryan the Last Dragon if it's there. Uh, The big question mark for me this weekend on the 23rd will be how well does the third film, Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, how does that do? Uh, This one is a soft reboot of the G.I. Joe film series that include the 2009 G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra and 2013 G.I. Joe Retaliation. Here, Henry Golding of Crazy Rich Asian fame takes on the titular title of Snake Eyes. The average opening for the first two films was about $47 million and they made about $136 million domestically and $339 million worldwide off a budget of about one hundred fifty. dollars $7 million. Uh, this suggests to me that the international market is a little bit more important for this and packed film. For me, I would say this is probably a tier below what Black Widow does, um, maybe a little, even a, little, a tier below what Space Jam does. Uh, Rounding out July, we have July 30th with three films releasing, two more specialty box office, and one mainstream. On the specialty side, we have Stillwater from Focus Features, a crime drama starring Matt Damon and directed by Tom McCarthy uh, who directed the Academy Award winning journalism drama Spotlight in 2015. That's a pretty interesting combination. The trailer basically says it's going to be a dad whose daughter, while abroad, is jailed and he has to try to get her out, including maybe getting his hands dirty in the investigation. So it's more like a crime procedural mixed with with Jason Bourne, which basically fits Matt Damon and Tom McCarthy pretty well. Uh, Matt Damon has also been doing some more dad-type films out there, such as Ford v. Ferrari and Suburbicon. This one feels like it probably wants to release a couple months later to be in more consideration for award shows, but it also may be a little bit too action-heavy for that kind of film. No idea how to predict this one, since there's relatively little marketing for this one. Uh, we also have a specialty release from A24, The Green Knight, starring Dev Patel and Lisa Vikander, directed by Davey Lowry, who is very much on the art side House of Things, making very weird films. Um, I think this is going to be a little bit too weird for the general audience, but it's certainly going to be very beloved by critics. Uh, though it will be a little bit too weird even for some of them for the award season, though I think it might probably do well at the Independent Spirit Awards. I'm honestly surprised uh, it's on the schedule for a wide release instead of a slower platform release, starting off maybe in a couple theaters in the big c- city. Um, before rolling out across the country. Uh, in any case, though, the winner of this weekend is definitely going to be Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, leading Disney film Jungle Cruise, again, coming out on both Disney Plus and in theaters uh, via Premiere Access. Um, this one, I think, has potential to be akin to a the Caribbean franchise for them, um, though not just because both are based on water rides from theme parks, um, but I think it's going to do... But it could even do be something like Jumanji, which also starts to rock. Um, again, Disney Plus is is might be reducing the take here, um, so we'll see. You know, this one's gonna be like, oh, this is actually a surprisingly good film, like Zumanzi. It'll pop off. If not, it's gonna be again here below uh, um, Space Jam, I think. Now, moving into August, we kick it off with The Suicide Squad from Warner Brothers. Now, this is the rebooted version directed by James Gunn, which is me personally very excited. I'm uncertain, though, if James Gunn's positive reputation with regard to the Galaxy franchise, which also released to surprisingly high success in 2014, uh, in early August, will, if that's going to overcome the negative reputation that the first Suicide Squad has attained. That being said, that Suicide Squad film still broke box office records, also releasing in early August, so it may be a case of being panned by critics, but still makes a boatload of money, uh, probably potentially in the realm of, I think, even what Black Widow can do. Uh, regardless, it's going to be the first DC film since Wonder Woman 1984, which wasn't particularly well-received, so any sort of positive word of mouth, a la Guardian, so this one's going to blow up, and hopefully it does not continue the trend of, uh, of DC films opening lower than the previous entry, has. the past couple of films have been. August 13th, we have two films going wide, horror film Don't Breathe 2 and 20th Century's Free Guy. Uh, Don't Breathe is the horror thriller vil- in the, the horror thriller vein uh, with the first film making $157 million globally on a budget of only $10 million, with the opening weekend of $26 million here in the States. Uh, Free Guy is the Ronald Reynolds video game film from Disney 20th Century. Um, this one isn't, uh, isn't coming to Disney Plus Premier Access at first, though it will have a theatrical window of 45 days before coming to the platform. So I think this one should be similar to a mid-August comedy similar to Good Boys from 2019, Hitman's Bodyguard in 2017, or Man from U.N.C.L.E. in 2015. Uh, to- August 20th is probably the doldrums of summer as families get ready to- for kids to go back to school. Uh, we have a Sundance psychological horror film in The Night House from Searchlight, uh, Paw Patrol the movie for the really little ones from Paramount Pictures, Action thriller The Protégé from Lionsgate, and Warner Brothers' sci-fi film Reminiscence starring Hugh Jackman. Uh, the title for number one this weekend I think will come down to Protégé or Reminiscence, I think large- largely based on whether Warner Brothers market's Reminiscence as a HBO Max mostly or used to see it in theaters um, kind of like what he did with those who wish me dead last week or a couple of weeks ago um, as well as also if the reviews are any good for the protege who has the director for golden eye and casino royale martin campbell behind it Rounding out August, we have The Beatles Get Back on August, 30, August 27th, um, a documentary from Peter Jackson directed by Disney, and Candyman from Universal, a remake of the 1992 Subnatural, uh Slasser directed by Nia Costa and written by Jordan Peele. Those two alone should push this number to number one this weekend, especially compared to a documentary which normally doesn't do super great at the box office. And finally, the summer season in my eyes will close uh, with Labor Day weekend with Sancti and The Legend of the Ten Rings on the long weekend starting September 3rd. Personally, I think this is the kickoff uh, of the, the true kickoff of the theatrical phase four properly, and I think as such it's do at least as good, if not better, than what Black Widow does. Again, not to overstate the impact of Gold Open, but I could potentially see a similar situation with Crazy Rich Agents and even the some degree Black Panther, who are a minority uh, group in the States here, represented en masse in the major studio, will really. Will really love the film and go to see it multiple times in theaters um, via repeat viewers and theater buyouts. Um, especially at the moment, this isn't scheduled to be on premier access, so the only way they'll see it in theater again will be to go back to theaters. Now, will it be enough to return us to full pre COVID levels? Probably not, but I could see it somewhere in the 80 to 95 million range, and there I say this could potentially be the film to get us back to $100 million opening weekends um, if all goes really well. Especially if you're looking at the four-day weekend and not just the three-day. That may not translate to success over in China, but hey, we're talking about domestic right now. So yeah, that's the preview for what's coming this summer. I think my personal top picks for the uh, for the for the summer are going to be uh, in the Heights. I think is is one I'm super excited for, um, and then definitely uh, Sang chi as well. Just love my basic stuff, uh, basic superhero stuff. I guess I'll throw in Suicide Squad in there as well. And if you want a little bit more artsy stuff, I guess I'll, I'm I'm interested in seeing what uh, a24 does with the Green Knight. Uh, So yeah, obviously things can change with the release schedules, and as we get closer, we'll get a better idea of how future weekends will do based on how much the box office has recovered from films earlier in the summer and what consumer sentiment is for going back to the movies will be. Okay, that all being said, let's go ahead and dig real quick into the domestic top five and look at some international numbers before wrapping up the episode. In first place, we have Lionsgate's Spiral, making $4.5 million in 2,991 theaters for a per-theater average of $1,536. This is a 47% drop in its second weekend, which, honestly, not bad for a horror film, though it did have a lower start than expected last week. The match total the date for Spiral is $15.8 million, with another $6.7 million abroad, getting it to $22.5 million worldwide. Uh, that being said, credit where is credit due, the nine film Saw franchise now has made over $1 billion lifetime. Uh, if you're curious, the highest grossing film in the franchise is Saw 3, at $164 million on a $10 million budget. In second place, United Artists' Wrath of Man in Weekend 3 dropped 20% to $2.9 million in 3007 theaters for a per-theater average of $990. Domestic total so far is $18.8 million, but it's done especially well overseas with a $41.9 million total for a lifetime total of $60.8 million. In third place, Warner Brothers' Neo Western Those Who Wish Me Dead dropped 35% to 1.8 million in 3,379 theaters, for per theater average of $543. Not as steep a drop as other HBO Max films, but again, it didn't have the highest start either. The uh, domestic total to date is $5.5 million, with another 7.5 abroad for a set 13 million total. In fourth place, Ryan the Last Dragon is in, twel- in its twelfth week from Disney at over one at 1.6 million this weekend for 2,375 theaters for a stellar, amazing two percent drop per theater average is 702 dollars, 48 million dollars to be made domestically, and another 61 million abroad for 109 million total. Definitely going to get over that 50 million mark domestically. Finally, rounding out our top five, Godzilla vs. Kong from Warner Brothers making $1.4 million uh, for an also impressive 6% drop uh, week over week in 2,552 theaters. Uh, $562 per theater average translates to $96.9 million domestically so far, with another $332 million abroad, getting into $429 million. I don't think it's going to get to $500 million worldwide unless Europe can come in and get over that mark. Um, that said, I think, 100, again, $100 million domestically should be, should be doable for this one. Outside of the top 5, we have Demon Slayer at number 6, getting $1.3 million in 1,800 theaters, for a per theater average of $729 and a 29% drop in its 5th week. Domestic total lifetime is $43.9 million, which officially pushes it to the second highest anime film in the US ahead of Pokemon 2000. I believe the worldwide total now is something at like $475 million, so slowly but steadily, it should get to $50 million worldwide, and I think, and some others as well think, it can get to $50 million domestically. Overall, total box office this week is a bit down at $20 million, however, as I noted, the two big films to watch for this coming long weekend are Cruella and A Quiet Place Part 2. Okay, now going abroad. Looking, going back to Demon Slayer for a quick second. It actually just crossed the 40 billion yen mark in Japan, making it the first ever film to do so. Uh, over in Europe, uh, U- the UK and France both opened this past weekend. I don't have exact numbers for what France did, however, there was one report that uh, it had about uh, 425 thousand US dollars uh, in its highest opening film, which, particularly enough, was also Demon Slayer uh, on that single singular day. Uh, over in the UK, uh, all. Again, everything opened up. By all accounts, it looks like things are back to normal. The last weekend before theaters shut down was March 6-8, when total box office was $12 million, led by uh, Onward. This past weekend was a bit shy of that, at $10 million, with Peter Rabbit 2 leading the way. The highest film during the pandemic in the UK was about $8.6 million during the summer when Tenet came out. Uh, also, going back to fans for a quick second, there were also rumors that the planetary blockbuster will be premiering at Cannes in July, which has a lot of people speculating it might be doing. I'm boring the lead a little bit, though, when it comes to the international box office. The real story here is that F9, aka Fast and the Furious 9, has a very solid first weekend abroad, pretty much right on the money at, at what estimates had, with $163 million across eight markets against that $160 million prediction. The top market was China, which we'll talk about more in a little bit, at $136 million over the weekend. Korea came in number two with a very solid $9.9 million. Uh, starting on a Wednesday, a local holiday with the largest opening of the franchise and of the pandemic to date. Uh, Russia hit $8.3 million for the highest opening post-pandemic uh, and, thir- and third highest market, and in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia and UAE at just $2.6 million each, uh, with some post-pandemic record set. Uh, also, Saudi Arabia, which has only had a you know, real movie industry in the last couple of years, uh, again, Fast and Furious 9 hit its all-time opening weekend. Uh, This opening weekend has pushed Fast and the Furious franchise above six billion U.S. dollars lifetime. The strong rebound of the U.K. also encouraged Universal to move the release date there from July 8th up to June 24th, more in line with the U.S. June 25th release. Uh, digging into those Chinese a little bit numbers a little bit more, 136 million dollars, as expected. Fast and Furious Nine was the number one film over there this weekend. On Friday it opened the 59.1 million dollars, including midnight pre- previews. I believe it was something like 45 to 50 for the day of, actually. Uh, second highest opening of the pandemic behind Detective Chinatown Three. Uh, Saturday brought in 47.8 million dollars, and then Sunday closed the weekend with another 30 million or so, a 38 percent or so drop. Uh, overall, the film ended up. About 34% below what the prior entry, Fast Fate of the Furious, uh, had. Uh, and about 24% above the spin-off Hobbs and Saw. Uh, there was a little bit poor word of mouth in China holding it back with about a 6.0 on Duban. Uh, and compared to Fast 7, uh, the seventh entries 8.4 and F8's 7.8. Oh, um, the more generous Mauryan had it at 8.1 uh, score, but it's still pretty low for the fan size overall. A uh, total expectations for ticket platforms put this at about 250 million U.S. dollars lifetime, a little bit below the 300-plus number that they were quoting before the weekend, um, which is also well below the 392 from *Fate of the Furious* and 391 million from *Furious 7*. Uh, moving on to number two, romance film *Love Will Tear Us Apart* comes in uh, with 30 million U.S. dollars in its debut. Uh, number three in China is Walkers, making 5.2 million with a lifetime total of 163 million. Number four is another newcomer, sort of. Uh, it's the re-release of uh, 1995 Japanese romance film *Love Letter* at 7.3 million in its debut this weekend. Um, and then *Breakout Through the Darkness* wraps up China's top five with 1.6 million added to its 60 million lifetime total. Other news out of China, Paramount looks like they got the last minute release scheduled for uh, A Quiet Place 2 this weekend to join the US release. Not sure how it'll do up against F9 given the word of mouth of F9 and the good word of mouth of uh, A Quiet Place 2. Uh, The prior film made about $35 million over there. Um, Also, more on the corporate side of things, Uh, China-based Wan, the company, was one-time owner of AMC Entertainment, but a recent SEC filing has shown that it's all but cast out of any ownership in the the exhibitor. Uh, The reasons are entirely clear. why. But I think between this and the recent difficulties of F9 to get a good reception over there, I think the the frenzy for a couple of years of trying to bring into China uh, from Hollywood seems to be cooling down a bit, especially as, again, China looks more focused inward to develop its own industry. Uh, moving to other corporate news to wrap up the show. Uh, following AMC on the exhibitor side, Regal has quietly dropped their corporate mask requirement, um, uh, requiring it only where state and local guidelines do so. Um, over on the studio side, there's been more think pieces about the future of Warner Media and the AT&T split and the upcoming merger with Discovery and all that. Um, some news that did stand out, though, apparently this wo- this week is the one-year anniversary of HBO Max, uh, May 27th, um, and appropriately, reportedly they will be launching their ad-supported version. Of HBO Max at 9.99 sometime next month. Uh, speaking of streaming news, in addition to the earlier news about Boss Baby 2 coming to Peacock, a day and date release. Reporting um, reportedly again reported this last week, Amazon is close to still buying MGM as we reported. Um, nothing official yet, but it looks like that nine million mark is what they're going to be paying. The second most of any Amazon acquisition they've made, behind the Whole Foods acquisition for 13.7 billion dollars. Uh, and with that I think that's a wrap for oh sorry 9 billion for MZM my bad um, anyway with that I think that's a wrap for this episode you can suit my ideas for what I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at xml.com or on twitter at bowatchpodcast you can find our show on Spotify iTunes and Google Play make sure you subscribe and leave a review or at the very least tell a friend that any of that helps if you're feeling extra generous consider supporting us on Patreon which lets me make not only this show but all the other podcasts I work on links to all of that will be in our show notes numbers used in the show come from numbers.com. Our intro and outdoor music come from Kevin MacLeod, you can find his stuff at thecomptect.filmmusic.io. Edited and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watts Podcast, and remember, our watch goes on.